Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are back here on the Jiggy Jaguar Show speaking with Tim Moriarty. Uh, he was the over 40 bodybuilder of the week at Bodybuilding.com just recently. Uh, how did you get started in doing bodybuilding? Okay, when I was like um, 15 years old, I was wrestling in junior high school. Yeah. And um, I you know I started I was 129 and I was, you know went 12, 12 you know 12 and 0. Oh wow. And um, what happened was um, I started to you know work out with weights then, and when, you know when I was 15, you know I I knew I you know like I happened to just like really like the sport, like I started to excel from there, getting really strong, and it helped me with my wrestling and everything. And I, right, right from then on, I just started getting, you know, an interest in it and started working out. And just, Dang. like, started from right from there. Yeah. And so, uh, you, you basically, when did you start uh, doing bodybuilding? Well, actually, I started when I was about 18. Yeah. I started getting into it, and I started doing, um, you know, working out. And I discovered that I had, like, a, you know, a natural strength for it. And, I, you know, I just started, like, loving the sport. Wow. And started doing it from there. <laughs> Who are some of your uh, inspirations getting into bodybuilding? Well, Arnold Schwarzenegger for his accomplishments, yeah. you know, from you know coming over from this country and you know, you know, accomplishing all his goals. And Steve Reeves, of course, you know, like from oh yeah, legendary, legendary, um, and his uh, V-shaped body. Also Frank Zane for his you know symmetry. Oh yeah, Frank Zane. He was. He was probably one of the last uh, bodybuilders that had symmetry and everything. Look at some of these mass monsters they got today. And, and yeah, and he was just very proportioned. Everything was, like, even, and he just looked really great. And that is so cool. So basically you've been, been bodybuilding a long, long time. Yeah, uh, yeah. When did you start seeing the results from the bodybuilding? Did well, from 15 on, I started to see, like, you know, like, my strength going up, my muscle size increasing, and I started, you know, dedicating myself, you know, like, eating right and training right, like, and, you know, always eating, like, a high-protein diet yeah. throughout, like, you know, since I was about 15. Wow. So, and then I started, you know, competing, started going into, like, you know, shows around, like, you know, the suburban area. Yeah. And I did, like, you know, I did good in them and everything. And then I, you know, I also did powerlifting at the same time. Oh, wow. So I bet you were just huge and cut. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think, I, I, you know, I won the Garden State um, powerlifting championships. But Wow. That's an accomplishment. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, you know, from there on, I just, you know, started doing it. And I just, you know, happened to dedicate myself to it from yeah. then on. I know there's a lot of bodybuilders, and I've talked to a, a lot of bodybuilding and uh, strongman guys too, and they've they don't do both. How were you able to do both and be successful? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's strange because like um, I just happen to be. It is hard to do because yeah. you know like while you're dieting, some people get weaker. You know, not that they get weaker, but you know yeah. you're cutting out certain things, but. 
it just happened to be like that. It just came natural to me. I don't, you know, I just, especially like in the deadlift and stuff like that, I just had like, it just came natural. By the time I was like, you know, 16, I was doing like, you know, 400, 450 wow. pounds. <laughs> so it just, uh, you know, it just came natural. I don't know. How did you vary your routine? Did you do a bodybuilding routine and a powerlifting routine? or? Well, when I was, or? you know, the only thing I would cut out when I was like going into a powerlifting meet, I would just do it a little bit differently, you know, do lower reps. But I would still, you know, concentrate on isolating, like, you know, certain body parts, like, you know, biceps, triceps, and, yeah. you know, back, you know, everything like that. But I would still, like, just cut out, like, a little bit more, you know, reps and, you know, stuff. But I would wow. train a little bit more, like, higher, you know, eat, eat a little bit more, but basically about the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that is phenomenal. I know there's one other guy that I've heard that was able to do power lift or basically powerlifting strongman and bodybuilding and that is the former and I think he actually might have won it last year again the uh, world's strongest man competition Marius Pujanovsky the guy from Oh Poland. yeah I yeah, heard of him yeah yeah and, good. and it's, it's phenomenal because the first couple times I started watching strongman and the events especially that he competed in you see these guys, and they don't have, you know, bodybuilding physiques. They've got powerlifting physiques because they're yeah. weightlifters. And then he did one of his um, events, and then he took his shirt off, and he posed, and he looked like a damn bodybuilder. Yeah, he was cut and everything, yeah. <laughs> and I did some research on him, and I thought, that is great. He can he mixes both uh, bodybuilding routines and powerlifting routines, much like what you did. And it it's phenomenal that when I read... Uh, the stats on you that you did powerlifting and that you have the physique that you have it's it's amazing that yeah and also you know like like the, I do like a lot of like I started like you know when I hit like thirty doing even more like um endurance stuff like you yeah. know treadmill and it, it, it you know help I believe in like training the cardiovascular system so like do you do a, a lot of high intensity stuff or was it yeah I do it's kind of unorthodox sort of like I'll go on a treadmill and I'll put on a 10 degree incline yeah. and you know drop like ankle weights on you know oh, wow <laughs> <laughs> you know but I in order to give you like the endurance and it gives, actually gives me more energy you know yeah because you're increasing your VO2 max and everything but so what's I your uh, what's the best workout plan that's ever worked for have you tweaked much of it over the years or has it been just one well, I do have, like, a, a double split routine right now or two body yeah. parts a week, but I, I constantly, like, change the routine around, like, say if I'm, you know, benching, like, if I'm doing chest on Monday and Thursday, like, what I'll do is maybe, like, a week or two later, I'll switch it to inclines to shock the, you know what I'm saying? Do it, like, always oh, like, yeah. changing your routine. Because shocking I, those muscles. Yeah, I find that works pretty good like that, because like, wow. you're always, like, keeping it in, like, a constant, you know. Yeah. Shock. But you can start out, say, with flies, like, or heavy flies, or just always changing your routine. That's what I believe in. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's a, uh, an amazing look that you've got, and then you, then you look at the fact that you've done powerlifting and bodybuilding. That just that just stands out. You see a lot of these guys, like I was saying, the bodybuilders and the powerlifters, they, they work out in the same gym, but they don't work out at the, the same level. <laughs> yeah. They train differently. That's true. <laughs> You see these bodybuilders who go over there and they're lifting, uh, well, they're doing a bench press and they're doing lightweight or you know, what would be considered lightweight to a power lifter, and they're doing it for like four sets of 15. 
And then yeah. you look at the power lifter, and they're doing it for one rep at like a thousand pounds. And then yeah, and they're like, you know, I have to move the damn thing six inches. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. That's true. So uh, yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. with uh, I know that diet has got to play a major role with oh, yeah, everything. How, how has your diet been tweaked over the years? Well, I switched. I sort of eat like you know six small meals a day, and I should, yeah. like start out with like maybe like oatmeal, six egg whites in the morning, and in the morning eat protein, some almonds, and like you know by lunchtime I'll have like grilled chicken, you know, with egg whites and like yeah. you know salad and stuff like that. But I usually have like different protein snacks throughout the day to keep my blood sugar stabilized. Uh, it sort of works pretty good like that. Yeah. Constantly keeping your body with you know a lot of protein. Uh, as far as just the atmosphere, like a bodybuilding show, what is uh, that like for people who've never competed? Oh, very exciting! It's very, um, very. You know, it's like you're, you know, you feel like you're on top of the world because you're like you're doing your own thing and you're individually and you're in front of everybody and you feel like you know, it's like an individual type of sport and you feel yeah. like it's like the ultimate, like um, sort of like an ultimate high. Yeah. Like you feel like you know, very uh, euphoric from it. Wow. But it it feels really good. Yeah. So, um, are you doing just strictly the the bodybuilding now, or have you gotten? Yeah, I'm doing. I'm also doing powerlift, and I'm trying to set yeah. my goals with deadlift at a certain weight at 190. I'm trying to go over like about like you know 725 in the deadlift. I'm I'm getting up there now. Yeah. I'm hitting like 700 now, so. Wow. I'm trying to like set my you know standards, but. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm sure supplements play a. A big role in this. What supplements have you used over the years that have given you the best results out of uh, both powerlifting and bodybuilding? Um, I, I've taken Instone um, performance meals, which I think is really good. Yeah. Um, it has um a lot of like uh, stencil, you know, fats in it, and it has um there's a good ratio of fiber in it, and it's it's pretty good because it stabilizes blood sugar because it has like, well, you know, it has like a lot of like um chromium in it, and and um. It has like a you know good balance of everything, which is pretty good, and has 45 grams of protein in it. Wow! And also, I, I like the muscle armor from EAS. It's pretty good. I yeah. tried it recently, and I found it pretty you know pretty effective. Well, that's cool. And yeah. um, just eating pro you know the Lean Fire V2G is is good from um in uh, uh in Stone too. Yeah. Well, I noticed on the the. Uh the page on bodybuilding.com you list the the multivitamin animal packs universal yeah are those, awesome. those are uh, a really good product i've heard and i i just yeah, want to get your thoughts on it to see if yeah animal packs from um universal is awesome because yeah. it has like it's way better than any multivitamin you know actually ever seen because there's like so much stuff in it for you know everything yeah you're you're going like down the line and it just helps you recuperate. It has like a lot of vitamin C, it has like amino acids and it has you know, everything like you you know, would would need yeah. to grow and train hard. There you go. Um but how do you vary thing. how do you vary your routines with uh, the power lifting and the, the bodybuilding? Do you do a power lifting routine like one day and then do a bodybuilding routine the next or Well what I do is um you know, maybe like I would say I would say twice out of the month. Yeah. What I'll do is I'll do like you know like I'll 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 max out. I'll see like what I'm gonna you know. I'll do like a you know a power lift. I'll put like you know the 
the shirt on and everything, the powerlifting outfit, and I'll just see what I could do. And I'm always trying to, like, challenge myself, actually, to do more and more. So, yeah, I kind of do on certain days, and actually I find it like a shocking system for your, you know, muscles yeah. by doing that. But, you know, like, I, I constantly am always changing. I, it's not really a set routine because I'm, you know, if you, because when I change it, it works pretty good like that. Yeah. How many exercises do you typically do per body part? Um, I usually do three sets, like, you know, per exercise per body part. Yeah. And, um, it works good, like, you know, like that. And, um, I would just say, like, three sets of incline, three sets of benching, three sets of flies, and maybe three sets of cable crossovers. Wow. You know, and I, you know, find that pretty good. Yeah. Just do it like that. You do a lot of machine work, or is it all free weights, or do you mix well, it up? Or? Yeah, but actually, I think, though, there's nothing like, you know, that the basics, like the free weights, are the best, in my yeah. opinion, because, um... You know, like, if you take it to a hardcore gym, it's, like, it works really good, just basic training. Yeah. Like the, But I do use, like, lap pull-downs and, you know, leg extensions. Oh, and, yeah. But you in my are. opinion, uh, chins are the ultimate back exercise. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's... <laughs> I mean, I find that to even be better than pull-downs. Because yeah. you're just, like, you know, it's just stretching your clavicles and your back and everything. Why do you think people, uh, whether it's, Season bodybuilders to the average weekend warrior. Why is it that pull-ups and chin-ups are the hardest things for people to do? You want to know what I think? I think about pull-ups and chin-ups. I think you're actually seeing how strong you are per your weight. Yeah. That's why I think it's the hardest to do because it's like you're pulling your own weight up, and if you could do a lot, you know, of reps like in your body weight, it's just like you know, it's like a challenge. Yeah. Because you're pulling your own weight up. Versus, like, you're doing a lap pull-down where you're sitting, the gravity's different. But I think, like, a lot of people, you know, that's why they find it hard. Oh, yeah. It is um, it is the ultimate back exercise because it, it will separate people out quickly. And you see, like, a lot of basic training, like, for the Army, like, you'll see how many pull-ups you could do. Yeah. And um, it's just, like, it's amazing, too, like, how strong you get at it when you, you know, do it. Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. As far as uh, what are your, some of your favorite exercises for body parts, like uh, favorite exercise for chest? Favorite exercise for chest is probably incline uh, down to the, you know, like the throat, stretch, the, you know, stretch your outer, you know, your upper pecs. Yeah. And, and do it, you know, close in and, you know, keep it, like, stretched. And um, I also like, you know, um, heavy dumbbell um, flies and, and also, like, my favorite exercise probably I like, you know, the deadlift too because I think yeah. it brings like basic, I think overall strength to somebody. Oh yeah. It's a, but uh, I found that really good for the lower back. Oh wow. And it, you know, it's just uh probably one of my favorite exercises. Probably one of my favorite lists actually. Yeah. Uh what's your opinion of Smith machines for uh, bench press and squats? Are they are they is that a good thing or yeah, do I people think, I think stay away from those? Well, I think it's a good thing. I think it's good if you could do Smith machines, like, you know, once in a while, too, because it's isolating the body part. You're not, like, you can't use as much weight because you're in an isolated type of, you know, mode. But I think it's good, too, because yeah. it's contracting, you know, stretching your muscles more. But I think, too, like, you know, if you do it once in a while, is good, too. And I think I find that, you know, I use Smith machine, like, um, 
you do squats and you're like, you know, you're just not moving your back and you're going strictly down and up. But yeah. it's good. Oh, yeah. It's a, uh, you got a heck of a physique, my man. I'll tell yeah, you. Thank <laughs> you very much. Yeah, you look, you look at that picture on the, uh, the website on uh, bodybuilders.com. That is just, that is something. And I would have never thought that, uh, somebody, could take the uh, the powerlifting and the bodybuilding and and do it, but your physique shows it, man. And it's because you see a lot of these bodybuilders and they look like oh, you know, they're they're huge and they're massive, but they're not powerful. Yeah, yeah. That's and then true. you see the bodybuilders or the powerlifters, and it's like if you didn't know they were a powerlifter, you just think he's either some big fat guy or he's just you know some weightlifter. <laughs> That's true. And then when you get a guy like you who looks impressive, and then you go and you like pick up a house and throw it, <laughs> it's like, oh wow, that is cool. It's like truth and advertising. So, well, a lot of a lot of things too, dedication and willpower too. It's like a well, too, big willpower game. Yeah, you you constantly are setting your goals to you know achieve you know more, and you know never set yourself like you're you know, good enough, you know? Yeah. That's what I always, like, try to think of everything, but... Yeah. That's yeah. how I, you know, got most of my accomplishments. Always trying to stay hungry. Oh, yeah, definitely. What What are your future goals for, uh... Well, I'd like to compete more within the next, uh, few months, you know? And I'd like to, um... I'd like to try to set a record for the deadlift. That's my future goals right now at the moment. Yeah. And do some fitness training, you know, fit, you know, I want like to do some personal training. Yeah. As well. I find the, you know, I find an interest in it a lot with nutrition and stuff. Oh, yeah. But, well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you. And I like to try to help other people. Yeah. It's a, it, it's always good. Now, that's one thing I like about the fitness and bodybuilding world is that you guys give back. You you guys, did, you know, you're not like the some of the baseball players and some of the the uh, the football players and some of them. You guys, you, you put the time in and then you either get into personal training or you go another direction and you give back on what, you know, the gyms and some of the other trainers have given to you guys. So I yeah. Think I think that's pretty cool. I would like to, you know, share my knowledge with, you know, everybody. You know, I like to try to help other people. I believe in that. Oh, yeah. And, and you, know, you know, get their goals and everything. Definitely. Well, I appreciate the interview. Thank you very uh, much. We'll definitely have to have you back on. Tim Moriarty, uh, check him out on the Internet. Uh People can email you, correct? Yes, no yeah. problem. Muscle at msn.com. That is, you've you've got some uh, some great stuff on uh, the the amateur competitor uh, or the the over forty on uh, bodybuilding.com. And uh, for people who are interested in more, go ahead and email this man, TD TD Muscle at msn.com. Tim, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, James, and I appreciate everything. And um, if anybody has any questions or anything, just email me, and I'll be glad to try to help. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll get you an email this evening, let you know it's going to air and everything. And uh, we'll definitely have to have you back on check back in with you. Okay, nice talking to you. Oh, yeah, definitely. We'll talk to you later, my friend. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Thanks. Bye. We're back here on the Jiggy Jaguar show. We're speaking with Bart Sabrell from the website moonmovie.com. Uh, tell us how you got how you got the website started, and then we'll get into uh, the the fake moon landing and everything. How did you start the website? 
Well, that started because of the film I produced called A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Moon. It's a 47-minute documentary. The budget was a half a million dollars. Wow. Five years to produce. Uh, most of that was done in research. And basically, I started out as a teenager as a big fan of the space program. I had a whole bedroom wall <laughs> dedicated to photographs from the first moon landing. Yeah. Then uh, I remember seeing a television show where a former NASA contractor asserted that the moon landings were fraudulent. Well, I was still open-minded when I was a kid and went to my bedroom wall, and sure enough, I started realizing that my eyes were wide shut, that there were things in the photographs I had overlooked that were inconsistent with sunlight. About wow. two years go by, uh, I became a filmmaker, and I was editing one day for a client who ended up producing that program I'd seen 10 years earlier as a teenager. And I said, do you remember the guy who said we didn't go to the moon? What was his name? He put me in touch with them, and shortly thereafter, I started producing the film. Uh, I was doing it under the theory it might be true. I certainly yeah. wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt, but there were several inconsistencies in the photographs. For example, the sun on the moon is the only supposed, is supposed to be the only lighting. Yeah. And yet, uh, while sunlight always casts parallel shadows, in some of the NASA photographs, the shadows intersect one another at as much as 90 degrees, indicating that the light source is definitely a lot closer than 92 million miles away. Then there was the fact that there was no burn crater underneath the uh, lunar module's 10,000-pound thrust rocket. It looked as though yeah. it had been placed there. And then with the peculiar behavior of the astronauts, where two out of the three from the first mission never give interviews, I started producing the film, and lo and behold, three and a half years into the five-year project, I uncover a never-before-seen unedited reel of behind-the-scenes footage of a single shot of the mission, and it's a fraudulent shot, and you can see a clip of that at moonmovie.com. Wow. You, wow, that, that is amazing that you, uh, you put all that into the, uh, the project. Had, what was the um, first reaction that you got when the, the movie was done and you showed it to a few people and you had the, the release on the website? Well, I'd say four out of five people who previously thought the moon landings were genuine reversed their opinion after watching the film. Wow. Uh, I painstakingly put it together, spent about 4,000 hours just editing the film. And, of course, it climaxes with this uh, behind-the-scenes footage of them faking a shot of being halfway to the moon. I mean, you've seen it. Um, oh, yeah. Them doing that illusion. I mean, I, it's remarkable footage. It's like finding the Zabruder film, you know, this week. And it clearly shows that while they were on the rocket and did go up, they never left Earth orbit. Uh, <laughs> and it's a wonder. I mean, the space shuttle has yeah. killed 14 people. Oh, yeah. They just go 200 miles above the Earth, and yet they're claiming that with a third older, a third of a century older technology, they went 100,000% farther than the space shuttle and never killed anybody. Yeah. And, you know, it's really remarkable <laughs> when you start putting this together that, you know, Lindy flew across the Atlantic in 1928. Would it be a 50-year span before someone flew across the Atlantic again? And what they're saying is they're going to, you know, quote, return to the moon a half a century after going the first time, and we realized that this moon landing of 1969 is this uh, statistical anomaly in the history of spaceflight that cannot be duplicated. 
Well, it's an it's an interesting uh, notion that you you bring out in a lot of the uh, and, and even the documentary and the website. Um, what are your thoughts on a couple years ago when uh, President George W. Bush said that we were going to try to go back to the moon? What, what do you what do you think that's going to What are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, the administration said some very interesting things. First, they said. Um, uh, that going to the moon was a logical first step to yeah. going to Mars and beyond. Well, if we already went six times, I don't know why we need to do the first step seven times. To me, that strongly indicates that that first step never took place, if they're using that as a reason to justify a trip. Yeah. Secondly, uh, the administration said that perhaps in the soil of the moon we'll find materials that we could use for fuel. Well, I mean, we were there six times. So I don't know that we're going to find anything new in the dirt. <laughs> then uh, the administration said that we've got to first learn how to protect the astronauts from radiation. Yes. Well, I'm thinking, well, why not do it just the great, successful way you did last time? So they've made <laughs> several contradictory statements yeah. uh, about returning to the moon that very strongly suggest that uh, they never went in the first place. In fact, if you read... Uh, President Clinton's book, I believe on page 156. Yes, I noticed that on the out for about 12 months, and he suggested very strongly uh, that the moon landings were indeed fraudulent. I'll tell you, it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing story. Well, why do you think that uh, it gets so much press, I guess, on the Internet? Well, why there's so many people interested in uh, fake moon landing and everything. Well, I tell you the truth, there's actually probably ten websites to disprove that the moon landings were fraudulent for every one that's trying to show the world that indeed they were fraudulent. You know, if you think about Shakespeare, thou dost protest too much. If, if they really went to the moon, then anyone who says otherwise is an idiot. And yet, why are there so many websites with thousands of hours in construction used to convince idiots that we really went to the moon. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're certainly being extremely defensive, and that's because they didn't go in the first place. So uh, is, was this your first uh, documentary that you made? or? Well, I've been making movies for almost 20 years. Yeah. Um, this was one of the first projects I did that wasn't for hire, that I did of my own creation. Yeah. Um, and... You know, from going from being the biggest fan of the moon missions to being, <laughs> uh, you know, the biggest advocate trying to cry out and say, hey, you know, we really didn't go. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if I can be converted, I think anyone else can. The, the Soviets at the time all this was going on, you know, had such a great superiority in space technology. They were the first to launch a satellite, the first to launch an animal, a man, a woman, spacewalk. Yeah. They were five times more experienced than we were in space. And suddenly we make this great you know, leap forward that has not been able to be duplicated by us or anyone else since. Uh, it's, a, it's a great, great uh, documentary that you put together. Bart Sabrell, by the way, moonmovie.com with us. Uh, you've got a couple other... DVDs on the website. Uh, tell us a little bit um, about uh, Astronauts Gone Wild. Yeah, if you have a video iPod, you can download these. Uh, you go to moonmovie.com, go to the home page, and then down at the end of the paragraph, uh, you can uh, see clips. Basically, since the creation of the first film, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Moon, yes. it came to mind, why don't I just track down some of these astronauts 
and ask them to swear on the Bible, whether they walked on the moon or not. <laughs> so great. We started the production of a film called Astronauts Gone Wild. Well, I tracked down uh, nine of the Apollo astronauts, including all three from the first moon mission. Wow. And here you have uh, Neil Armstrong, who never gives uh, any interviews. Oh, yeah. Uh, doesn't make public appearances. But we tracked him down uh, where he was CEO of a particular company, and uh, he was uh, resigning. So we put a Bible in front of him with the camera crew, of course, and even offered him $5,000 cash to give to his favorite charity or to go to Hawaii on us. Yeah. And he took five seconds just to put his hand on the Bible and take an oath that he walked on the moon. He started shaking like a leaf and refused to do so. Michael Collins refused to take an oath that he even orbited the moon. And Buzz oh, wow. Aldrin, when I asked him to swear in the Bible, he was so uh, upset that I would, was bringing this up that he punched me. And I, oh, my I God. Thinking, if I really went to the moon, <laughs> anyone who said otherwise would be an idiot. So I would find the idea hysterical. It, I wouldn't become angry or defensive. But yeah. it's as if I walked up to him in front of his wife and said, so how's your mistress doing? And because here he was around all of his uh, cronies who believe he's this great hero from yeah. the walked on the moon, when in fact he's one of the biggest liars in the world. And when I confronted him in front of his uh, fans, that's when he became very defensive and even punched me. Oh, my God. I can't, I can't believe that he decked you. Well, uh... You know, it happened. Wow. An astronaut kicked me, and other ones oh. threatened to shoot me. Oh, that's All good. This is an astronaut's gone wild. Oh, that, that is amazing. <laughs> How long did it take you to, uh, to make Astronauts Gone Wild? It took about three years to put together. Yeah. Wow. Uh, where do you raise the, the money to, to get these uh, projects put together? Are you contributing your own funds? Or I've contributed some or? myself, and then I have uh, anonymous patriots yeah. of some means. Oh, who uh, are absolutely convinced the moon landings were fraudulent yeah. and believe that the government needs to come forward. Uh, George Orwell said something very fascinating. He said, whoever yeah. controls the past controls the future. Yes. And while the faking of the moon landings was done to fool the Soviets into thinking we had equal or greater technology during the Cold yeah. War, now that the Cold War is over, the government is still afraid to tell the truth about it for fear the public will ask, well, what else? have you deceived us about? What other cons uh, are, have been swept under the rug? Yeah. Well, uh, these <laughs> I, I can't believe that uh, you, you were able to track down some of the astronauts and that some of them, you know, threatened your life and even did worse. That's, wow, that's amazing. You got under some people's skin, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, this is this is how they've built their lives on, the fact yeah. that they went to the moon. The only reason why they're CEOs of companies is really as a token to say, hey, the guy walked on the moon is leading our company. Yeah. Uh, and they've made millions of dollars, a lot of them, off of uh, the publicity associated with this great fraud. And it's unfortunate. Oh, um, yeah. NASA, I don't really believe, faked the moon landings. I think the vast majority of people at NASA at the time believed they were going to the moon. Yeah. Uh, all the computer operators, it was only acknowledged a year ago that they could tell no difference between a simulation and an actual flight. And the wow. fact that they were on the rocket and did go up in front of witnesses and splashed down a week or so later uh, meant that really once they were in space,
space or in Earth orbit, there were only three eyewitnesses to every mission. Yeah. No independent press coverage, a television picture completely controlled by the government. So very few people actually knew what was going on. And while there were 100,000 people involved in making the door and the glove and the boot and the rocket, yeah. once they got on the rocket and went up into space, there were only three people who had proof that they ever left Earth orbit. Wow. <laughs> Give us a little information on uh, the other two DVDs you get on the website, Apollo 11 Monkey Business and Apollo 11 Post-Flight Press Conference. Yeah, the Monkey Business uh, is the complete unedited reel of this uh, great footage that we uncovered of them faking a shot of being halfway to the moon. Yeah. This footage is dated two days after they left, and it's supposed to be the Earth floating in space, and we see the outtakes. While they only aired about 10 seconds of it to the public, we show all the outtakes of them fixing the shot from Earth orbit, proving that they could not even leave Earth orbit. And a lot of people have requested this footage in its entirety, and that's what monkey business is. We also have footage of them walking on the moon uh, with the original slate in front of it, which was never released to the public. And the date on the slate, get this, is five days before they left. So oh we have God. shots of them walking on the moon five days before they even left proving that the footage took place on Earth and not on the moon. That's and great. the press conference is the one and only time the three astronauts gave interviews. And yeah. if you look at their expressions, I mean, it looks like they're at a funeral for an hour and a half. I mean, if I went 100,000% farther than the space shuttle, lived to tell, got to see my wife and family again, yeah. you couldn't wipe the smile off my face, but they have scowls on their face for an hour and a half, not wanting to answer any questions, looking down, not looking up, and clearly the personality is, is very much not in line with someone who actually went to the moon and very much in line with people who are lying and feel disheartened about it. And then we recently bought at auction the con official congressional report of the Apollo 1 fire, which were the deaths of three astronauts who were supposed to be the first crew to go to the moon. And yeah. we know from very close close sources at NASA that the commander of that flight was very likely going to be asked to fake the moon mission, would not cooperate, and so he and his crewmates were killed, and we wow. had a 3,500-page congressional report showing that cyanide gas was actually found in the capsule, and while everyone believed they died because of the fire, it was not reported that, in fact, their safety belts were never unbuttoned, and so with that there were cyanide gas that actually killed them and then the fire was used to destroy the evidence of the homicide. And it was also a warning to the other astronauts to make sure they cooperated. In fact, wow. of 24 uh, Apollo astronauts, both primary and backup crews, uh, there were seven of them who had fatal accidents within a two-year period. So, <laughs> I mean, you have to really wonder what's <laughs> going on. Wow. That, you, you did some digging on uh, some of this. That, that's cool. We had a um, Jim Scotty. I don't know if you're familiar with his work at all. He uh, has a website devoted to debunking all the moon landings were not faked and, and all that. And he, he put together a lot of interesting things on his website. And I just wanted to get some of your thoughts on some of this. Um, for instance, he says that uh, on the moon, there is only one light source, the sun. Uh, the shot of Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong planting the U.S. flag on the moon. If the sun is the only light source used by NASA on the moon, Aldrin's shadow could, should not be so much 
longer than Armstrong. Is that? Yeah, there's a lot of inconsistencies yeah. in the shadows. Sometimes they're at different lengths. Uh, the most convicting to me is when they intersect. You know, the sun, if you go outside on noon on a cloudless day, you'll see that two shadows of two people standing next to one another, they never intersect. Yeah. The only reason why they were intersect is if there's two light sources or if the light only light source is, you know, within 100 or 200 feet of the people. Yeah. And if you go to moonmovie.com, uh, you can see a still photograph where there are two objects on the moon where the shadows intersect at as much as 90 degrees. Definitely wow. proving that it is not sunlight. If it's not sunlight, then it's artificial light. And if it's artificial light, that means they're not on the moon, they're on Earth. Yeah. Well, that's that's interesting. They, there was a uh, a Fox special. I didn't see it, but I heard about it uh, some number of years ago. Did you ever get a chance to see that? Yeah, I was senior consultant on that. Basically, we oh, said wow. a funny thing happened on the way to the moon, and they found it too controversial for even Fox to air. So they had me work with them in producing a softened up conspiracy film about it. And sure enough, that film was so popular, it aired three times. And yeah. nationally, it helped push the statistics from 10% of the, of the people doubting the authenticity of the moon landing to push that up to 15%. Really? And um, yeah, it, I mean, it's a sad fact that we did not go to the moon. A lot of time, it's, it's, so it's like trying to convince someone that their mother uh, is a, was an axe murderer before they were born. I mean, it's so ingrained in people's mind, and it's such a uh, envelops such patriotism that people do not want to believe that something that they felt so prideful about uh, is in fact a, a counterfeit miracle. Wow. Um, there's there's tons and tons of uh, things like this on the internet. You know, the moon landings and uh, other cons I wouldn't say conspiracies because. A lot of the moon landing stuff is not really conspiracy. Uh, why do you think the Internet is so popular with things of that nature? Well, I think it's just uh, it's a form of, of press, basically. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a newspaper. It gives everyone ac access to posting things internationally. It yeah. becomes a forum for intellectuals and people who are out there on the edge of questioning reality, questioning their government, questioning the status quo of what is taught in schools. And, you know, I think it's a good form. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, moon landings, you know, while they were definitely fraudulent, it's kind of an uphill battle. It sounds like such a conspiracy, and it's been around in folklore since the event that, oh, it wasn't done on the moon, it was really done at Telson Studio. The most amazing thing is that that is true. Yeah. And it's still an uphill battle trying to convince the masses of that. I'm hoping... Uh, while these astronauts are in their 70s, one of them will get a conscience and want to clear it before mm -hmm. they die and uh, yeah. come forward and confess. Well, that that would be nice. There's um, there's possibility that could happen because there's a lot of things like that that's happened before where uh, Air Force or Air airline pilots and you know things of that nature hap they happen to get close to death and they admit things. So that could happen. Yeah, Deep Throat was the best example. He came yeah. forward about six months ago. Uh, because he was terminally ill and he wanted to let the world know what was going on at Watergate. So it's, it's kind of sad a lot of these points of justice take a long time to come into the light, but better late than never. Yeah. Do you think that uh, 
you and everyone else that that believed the moon landings were faked and everything. If something like that, if one of the astronauts were were to come forward, do you guys figure you would be vindicated, or what do you think would happen with that? Oh, sure, we'd be vindicated, and uh, I'm sure the media would talk about how it wasn't their fault that they didn't pick up on it, even though you know we sent the DVD, we sent the unedited. Uh, behind-the-scenes footage proving fraudulent photography. We sent it to all the networks, and they ignored it. And I'm sure they'll make excuses as to, well, it wasn't their fault. They were fooled, and they did their best, or whatever. <laughs> uh, it's sad. Yeah. They're obviously not doing their job. No, no. And I'm I'm glad there's there's gentlemen like you and others that are out there that are, you know, pounding the pavement and trying to get the truth out there. So, uh I really appreciate the interview, Bart. Uh, Bart Sabrell from MoonMovie.com. I appreciate the uh, interview. Keep us updated on some of your projects and what's going on. All right. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.